Hey, we're in our last week of a series called When Pigs Fly. It's a series on miracles. There's a reason why we need miracles to happen. And the reason why we need miracles to happen is found in John chapter 10, verse 10. The Bible says this, that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. When things go bad in your life, there's a reason why. And the reason why is because there's an enemy out there trying to destroy you. He wants to, he wants to tear you apart. There was a day, back in the day, I don't know if you guys remember, there was a TV show called National Geographic. And those lions would chase those hyenas down. Those lions would chase down that zebra, and they would tear that thing apart. And you could watch it. I was, you could watch that on TV. And the Bible says the enemy he wants to tear you apart. Now the enemy doesn't want to come and just nibble at your ankles. He doesn't want to just kind of like, hey, I want to bother you. I want to bother you. I want to bother you. They don't, he doesn't want to do like the, the annoying middle schooler poke. He wants to tear you apart, and he wants to get his friends to come along. And he wants to get them to grab on and the other friend to grab on. He wants to, he wants to tape on. The enemy wants to destroy you. You have a, you have a target on your back today. And if that target's not from, from God, it's from the enemy. The enemy wants to tear you apart in here today. But there's always good news in the Bible. There's always good news. And there, there was so much good news. That good news came on a cross. Jesus said, I'm going to come. When the enemy comes after you and he tries to kill you and steal from you and destroy you, there's going to be a, a, a God come along. He said, I'm going to give you a life, an abundant life a rich life, a satisfying life. I don't know about you in here today, but I want a satisfying life. I want a rich life. I want a full life. I do not want to live a drag. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to live a miserable life. I don't want to be discouraged. I don't want to be defeated. I don't want to be defeated. I don't want to be discouraged. And I don't want to live that life on repeat. I want to live a rich and satisfying and full life. In my translation, God came so that you could hashtag win. I don't know about you today, but I want to win. The greatest win of all times is when you give your life to Christ. He wants to give you a full and satisfying life. But sometimes the enemy gets you by the ankles and he does not let go. And the only way for him to let go is for God to show up and do a miracle. A miracle is when God does something that you and I can't do. When God does something that you and I can't do. I meet people all the time that are struggling with some sort of struggle a hurt, a habit, or a hangout, and they just can't get away from it. And the only way for them to get away from it is if God shows up and does a miracle. I meet people all the time that are plagued with disease or some sort of health scenario. And the only way for it to go away is if God shows up and does what only he can do. And God wants to do a miracle in your life. I believe with all my heart God wants to do a miracle in your life. I'm super, super, super... Um, Super excited about the message today. There's some things in here that I saw a while ago that I think is really going to help you. Um, but I, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of overwhelmed a little bit today because I, 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 what I'm finding out a lot of times is I'm sitting in, on coffee shops or I'm sitting on phone calls or I'm sitting in conversations with people in circles. And when I'm sitting there talking to them, I find me being really excited for them. I find me being really excited for their miracle and for their breakthrough and for their deliverance. But I recently have found out that they're not really buying all that I'm selling. I can illustrate it in, in this kind of way. You guys have all seen the movie Elf. If you haven't seen the movie Elf, you, you can't be a Christian. Um, <clears throat> because it's one of the greatest movies of all times. You, if you haven't seen Elf yet, you want to go out and see Elf. I was talking to a friend of mine last night, and she's like, oh, I, I let so-and-so borrow the DVD. And I'm like, what's a DVD? You know, there was a day we used to say, what's a VHS? Now a DVD is a thing of the past. Now we stream. So the elf came out and we bought it on DVD and I wanted to make sure that my kid met Jesus as a, as a, as a young, young child. And so I gave my little daughter the movie Elf and we watched it on repeat. What I like about Elf is that it's, it's clean enough for the whole entire family to watch it. I, I like that about the movie Elf. And there's a scene in the movie they, that, that are trying to get the buddy elf, he's trying to get the sleigh to get up. And he's trying to get the, the sleigh to take off and to kind of get out of Central Park. And 
it's a very, 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 very climactic scene of the movie and they can't get it to go and the little boy gets on TV and he says the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. You guys have seen the movie. Like, you guys, you guys are helping me preach this sermon. I appreciate that. And they are so excited about the fact that if they start singing and Buddy the Elf's dad is sitting there and he's just mouthing the words. He's going, he's not singing, he's not singing the words. And the little boy says to his dad, he goes, you're not even, you're not even singing. You don't even, you don't even mean it. You're just, you're just living. And here's what I found out a lot of times. I think a lot of times when I come up here and I sit in these coffee shops and hang out, people are like, man, God wants to do something incredible in your life. God wants to do a miracle in your life. Your breakthrough is coming. Your best is yet to come. And I'm like, repeat after me. And you're like, yeah. And I'm saying like, your miracle is coming. And you're going, I'm like, your best is yet to come. Repeat after me. And you're going, and like, you're not even, like, you don't even believe, we don't even believe all that we're saying. Just nod your head if you've ever been in those scenarios. Like, you're just saying it to kind of like, okay, I wish Wes would be quiet. Like, I had a guy walk out of the service. He, I, I walk, he walked out of the service, and I was standing there. He goes, hey, man, came to me. He shook me by the hand. He goes, hey, we get it. We get it. I think sometimes we don't get it. I think sometimes we, we, miss, we, miss, we miss the very thing that God wants to show us. We, he wants to do an incredible thing in our life. Or, we're at, or, or sometimes I see it this way. I'm at, I'm at a, I have a group of people that I sit with on, on the regular at my house. It's a bunch of 20-something-year-olds and almost 30-year-olds and a little over 30-year-olds and some people who wish they were in their 20s. And we're all sitting at the table together, and I'm like, How, do you believe God can do something incredible in your life? And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And they're like, tell the person next to you, yeah, God can do something incredible in your life. And, and they're like, yeah, yeah, God can do something in their life, but I don't think God can do something in my life. And we're like, yeah. And we're just kind of mouthing the words, yeah, I think. Which made me, which made me have this idea is I think I sometimes... Sometimes in this room, we delay our deliverance. We delay our, we delay our deliverance. So I want to preach a message to you today called don't delay, don't delay your deliverance. I think that sometimes it's on you and me. There are some things that the enemy does and it is all his fault. And he, he just swoops in and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But there are some things in our life that we could get out of, but I don't know if sometimes we want to get out of those things. We know what will help us but I don't know that we really want that. You've ever been to the doctor before? My wife, she's a, she's, my wife's tricky. But you, I, she said it today, so I don't want to, this isn't like talking bad about her. I mean, she's not here, so I, technically I'm gossiping, but it's kind of okay because it's an open air auditorium. She can hear me somewhere probably. But we go places and like, uh, uh, what did the doctor say? Uh, and this is the first thing I know. Well, they can't be right. Like, well, they went to school. I don't know. What do you want me to say to them? She's like, what do they say to you? I'm like, this, she's like, well, did you ask yeah, I asked. I did, I did exactly what you told me to say. She's like, well, they don't, they don't know what they're talking about. I'm like, they, they don't? Like, that's like me coming, them coming and saying, hey, you, you sang that song in the wrong key. Like, that, they, you kind of know, and they kind of know. And we, my daughter um, pray for me and pray for my budget and pray for my life, but my daughter has this eczema on her hand. They can't figure it out. And, and like, every time you go to the doctor, like, yeah, last year we went to the doctor, she had eczema, and they're like, okay, oh, yeah, all you need is this cream. I'm like, oh, cool, no big deal. Call the doctor, put it in there. It's only $1,000. I'm like, what's this cream going to do? Like, is it going to give her brand new hands? Like, she going to be able to dunk with this cream? Like, why is she, what, like, then like, this year later we go back, like, doc, it's not really working so much. And so, um, like, we need some, we need some new cream. Like, can you try us with some new cream? And they're like, yeah, we'll send it to you. And I'm like, well, Diana, Diana, now Diana asks, she's like, well, how much is it going to cost? She's like, well, this one, it, it can't be that bad. She's like, it's not going to be that bad. So we drop it off and like, 450 bucks. I'm like, dang, like this cream, like, this cream, like, this is like, 
Like, you can buy two pairs of Jordans for that much. Like, she don't need the cream, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's just buy some shoes instead. Like, at least your feet will be covered up and your feet look good, you know? Like, it's so expensive. She's like, well, we can call this way. I think sometimes it's like going, going to God and God says, hey, here's a plan for your life. I want to do this. And we just like, yeah, yeah, God can do that. But we're like, no, he can't. He can't. He can't. And we begin to delay our own deliverance. We delay the breakthrough. And so I want to read a passage of scripture today that I think is going to help you in here today and if it doesn't help you, the next passage of Scripture today. And if you're here today, you're like, well, I've never delayed my deliverance. If you have delayed your deliverance, you're in good company because there's a group of people named the children of Israel. Like, they didn't, get, they didn't get full names. They just got your group of people, like your group. Like, it's like, hey, those people, like children of Israel. God said, hey, I want you to go down there, and I want you to make a left, and that's your promised land. You'll be there in a few days. But instead of going right down where they said to make a left, they went straight down, and they made a right. And what would have took them a few days took them 40 years. They delayed, they delayed their deliverance. There was a young man who ran to Jesus and said, Jesus, 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 what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says very, very, very simply, I'm glad you asked. The guy says, what must I do to have deliverance? What must I do to have breakthrough? What must I do for my situation to change? Jesus goes, very simple, just go sell your possessions and give it to the poor and we're going to be okay. And Jesus doesn't want you to sell your possessions. He doesn't want to give you all your possessions to the poor. What Jesus wants you to do is he wants you to put him first. And what he says to the guy is like, hey, I know this stuff's gonna be hard for you. You like your stuff quite a bit. You need to put me first. And the guy's like, really appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. God bless you. <laughs> You're dismissed. Like the guy walks away. The Bible says he put his head on, he walked away. He missed out on eternal life. He delayed his deliverance. He delayed an opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He delayed the opportunity to be in heaven with Jesus today. He delayed, he delayed his deliverance. In Matthew chapter four, Matthew chapter 4, now you gotta, you got to bear with me for Matthew chapter 4, because it, this is good, but it's going to get a little bit better, because we're going to go backwards. Sometimes when you go backwards, you can pick up on some things. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. <clears throat> Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. If you feel like you're in the wilderness, you're in good company, because sometimes Jesus takes us to the wilderness. The good news is, if we learn the lesson that we're supposed to learn while we're in the wilderness, we'll never, ever have to go back there again. You've been there before. You know, if you tell your kids, hey, don't touch that hot stove, they only have to touch it once. Unless you're West Beecham, you touch it two or three times. Like, I'm just a slow learner. Usually, if you learn the lesson that God's trying to teach you in the wilderness, you won't have to go back there. You won't have to go back there again. The Bible says in verse 2, for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and he became, he became very hungry. I believe we live in a world today that's super hungry and that's super alone. And we find these kind of people in this past scripture. Everyone's alone. People are all around them. I got to me today, people all around me. None of them are my friends. We're, we're people around us, all around us. And we find ourselves alone and we find ourselves hungry. Verse three, during that time, the devil came. He always shows up at the right time, doesn't he? If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, here's what the Bible says. People do not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Miracle number one. Verse five says, the devil took him to the holy city of Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, jump off. And here's what he says. He, now he's quoting scripture. Jesus quoted scripture. And now we find the enemy quoting scripture. And I need you to know in here today that the enemy knows you pretty good. God knows you perfectly. The enemy knows you, the enemy knows you really, really, really good. Have you noticed this yet? Have you ever noticed when you're carrying around your cell phone and you're just doing life and you're like me, you're, you know, you're touching the home button, your home, pop, your, your home button pops open and you say something that sounds like this, man, it would be really cool to have those, those I really like those Nikes. 
Those Nikes, those are really, really, really good looking Nikes. Or man, maybe you're a guy in here and you're like, man, I, that's a really cool Glock 24, you know, right? That's a really, really cool boat. Have you ever said that? And then open up your phone a few minutes later and on the right, there's a sponsored ad for the thing that you mentioned just hours before. Have you noticed that before? Some of you guys are like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna try it out. They're listening to you. And can I be honest with you, Joel? I'm not mad that they're listening to me because it makes me easier to find the Nikes that I want. They already heard me say it. Now they're saying, I heard you say that you like these Nikes. And on the side of my Facebook is saying, Nike reacts, Volt color. Like they know me. They know, what si- they know what size I like. I'm not mad at them. I can't be mad at them. They know me. And plus they're listening to me. The enemy is listening to you, friend. And the thing that you need, the enemy's listening to you because he wants to distort the thing that you need. Or he's going to distort the thing that you want. He's going to make you think that it's actually a need, but it's not really a need. It's really just a want. Because what we all really need is we want to, we, all we need is we need Jesus. That's going to fill the void that we have. So we have the enemy here tempting Jesus, Jesus quoting scripture, and now we have the enemy saying, well, I know scripture too. I know some verses. Do you know the verses that I know? And Jesus, he, he says here, the, the, you know that I can't live by bread alone, miracle number one, miracle number two. He goes, the, your angels, they'll protect you. You have angels, God. Like, God, don't you know that you have angels? He, will, he says that they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your feet on a stone. Like, you, they're gonna, your angels, are gonna, they're gonna catch you. Like, angels can catch you. If you're here today, you're wondering if you can be caught. The angels can catch you. Even the enemy knows that the angels can catch you. He says, man, they'll take care of you. Verse 7, they responded, Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Jesus is like, yo, touche, here's some more scripture. Like, whatever you're going through, there's a scripture for that. You know there's a thing out now, I don't know if you've heard this phrase or not, but when people are like, oh, I need that. There's an app for that. There's an app for that. There's a verse for everything you're going. Did you know in here today, the Bible says, if, if, you're alone, if you're struggling with loneliness in here today, which most people are struggling with loneliness, the Bible says that God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Did you know that God knew that the greatest thing that would be researched on Google in 2020 would be anxiety and fear and worry? Did you know that he wrote a verse for that? There's a verse for that. The verse says this, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Did you know that the Bible says, be anxious for nothing in a day and age where everything makes us anxious? And there's a verse for that. Did you know in here today, if, you've, if you feel like you've been kicked in the gut and you feel tired and you feel exhausted, did you know that the book of Psalms says this? If you feel like you've been kicked in the gut, God's right there to give you oxygen. You're like, yo, I like the message translation. Look it up. Did you know that? Did you know in here today that the Bible tells us if you're running low, you're not going to believe this one. Did you know that the Bible says if you're running low, the Bible says to be generous. And if you're generous, you'll never, ever run out. But if you're stingy, you're going to run out. You're like, yo, I hate that verse. <laughs> if you're generous, God will, if you're generous, God will make your world get larger. Yesterday I went to uh, Sam's. I'm a living example of this. I went to Sam's yesterday to buy supplies for, to send to Nairobi, Kenya. And I got a text message. I'm in, I'm in, a, group, I'm in a group message with three or four pastors. and like, hey, we just need more supplies for, for, for Kenya. So I do what what. Anybody who would do, I, I, I went to Sam's, and I'm like, I'm going to buy as much as I possibly I, I, can, I can buy. And you know me, I'm not, I'm not, a lot of times I come across as spiritual. Sometimes I come across spiritual. 
but it's really just my competitiveness. My competitiveness. Like, you're like, oh, man, he must really love Kenya. You want to see everyone that have medical supplies? Like, no, I'm just competitive. I want to make sure that our church has more medical supplies than all the other churches. I know that's wrong. There's probably a sin in the Bible about that, but I'm like, I want our church to win. So I go there, I fill it up, and I say, hey, we got you guys covered. Did you guys know this in here today? If you, if you give, the Bible says your world will get larger. I get, done with, I get done with that, and I get a text message um, from a friend of mine today, and I'm in a message with him and uh, his comptroller of his company, and me, and he goes, send a check for $2,500 for, for Hope Church. I'm like, man, you can't make this stuff up. Every time I give, God turns around and takes care. This church has always gotten larger and larger and larger because we've always been generous since day one. We gave since day one. Before we even had a Sunday morning service, we were giving. When you give, your world gets larger and gets larger and larger. It was so awesome. It was so awesome. God, there's a verse for that. There's a verse for everything. So he says, hey, there's a verse for that. Hey, you can't tempt the Lord. You must not test the Lord your God. Verse 8, the Bible says this. <clears throat> Next, the devil took him to the peak of, of a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Now, you know, there's a caveat to this also. Like, all these verses I could preach. Uh, this one's really easy. You can't offer God something that he already owns. <laughs> he already owns all the kingdoms. That's why being generous, generous should be easy for us because God already owns everything. And the Bible also says if you have a hard time, if you ever wonder like how, how you got so much of all you got, the Bible tells us this, that God loves to give good gifts to his children. I love giving gifts. Sometimes it's a little bit of a, um, it's a li there's a little bit of a, there's a, uh, there's a catch to it because I, I might get a gift on the back end. But like I, liked, I like to give gifts. I do like to Give gifts. My wife, my wife walked out of the closet last night. She goes, babe, my shoe collection's complete. Joel, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know a shoe collection, Brad, could be complete. I'm like, I get getting that way, headed that direction, but I don't know that it could ever be complete. And she's like, my shoe collection is complete. She says, thank you so much. I said, you're welcome. I said, mine's not. <laughs> I'm like, Joe, these are hardcore facts. My shoe collection, I, I, have gotten, I have gotten better. My addiction has lowered. But he says, you can't test the Lord your God. You can't test the Lord your God. If you... You, you do what you're supposed to do. God will always do what, he, what he's supposed to do. You can't, you can't test the Lord your God. Verse 8, he says here, I'll give you all this. I'll give all this to you. You see, all this, I'll give it all to you if you'll kneel down and you'll worship me. And then God says here, get out of here, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scripture say this, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Miracle number trace. Then the devil went away and the angels came and they took care of Jesus. The enemy wants to destroy you, but God says, I want to come and I want to take care of you. So we see three miracles, okay? Now, I, I, I had to share with you all that so I can share you what happened before that, okay? Let me go back. This, this is really, really exciting to me. Got plenty of time to talk, you through, talk this through to you. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. One day, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River, Okay? Can I ask you a question today? If Jesus got baptized, is it important? Like just, whether you believe it or not, you can just nod your head like, if Jesus got baptized, there must be something important. If Jesus did it, I don't know about you, but I wanna do it. If Jesus served people, I wanna serve people. If Jesus gave, I wanna give. If Jesus loved, by the way, I wanna love. You can't, by the way, you can't say that you love people if, you're not, if you won't sit next to them, if you won't spend time with them. If you want pour into them, Jesus loved people. When we see Jesus in the Bible, he was either at church preaching in the synagogue or he was out loving people. 
And then when he, after he was done out loving people, he'd go back into the church, he would preach some more, and then he would go back out and love people. That's why coming to church is so important because you need to come here, you need to get filled up, fueled up, fired up, and then you need to go out there and love some people. And if you're loving people right, you'll find out really quickly that it's exhausting. It's tiring. It takes a lot of time. That's what tires me the most is loving people. It's, it's, it's exhausting. It's, it's work. It takes work to love people. You know that. And you know, you, you, hopefully you know this. If you don't know this, this is a freebie for you. The hardest people to love are the people you know the most, a.k.a. the people that you live with. Because <laughs> you know everything about them. They're the hardest. I know Dinah has a Ph.D. in love because it's hard to love this guy. I don't have patience. I'm not, my default position is not kindness. I don't, I'm not, I'm not the nicest, I don't talk, my default position is not to talk really, really nicely. I grew up in a home where verbal abuse was just a norm. Like everyone yelled at everybody and screamed at everybody. Like I thought that was normal. <laughs> it felt right, you know, whoever was the loudest, they won. You know what I'm saying? Like that's just kind of how that went. We just yelled at each other and we just ran wild. The Bible is really clear about all these things that Jesus is saying to us today that if you and I, he just wants you not to be like him. So, okay, so he gets baptized, okay? Now, it gets really, really cool. He gets baptized, verse 10. As Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens split open. And the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly beloved son, and you bring me great joy. Now, this verse is loaded. When Jesus got baptized, the whole entire trinity shows up. Like all the people, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they all showed up. Now, a lot of people will go their whole Christian life not being able to understand the Trinity. And I want to help you today. I'm not, I'm, this isn't a very deep church. It's a very clear church. It's a very practical church. But no one will ever say, man, this is the deepest church I've ever been to. You and I need to know about the Trinity. And the reason why we know about the Trinity is because God the Father, he made the heavens and he made the earth. Genesis chapter 1. My son said to me last night, God, Dad, when did God show up? He's always has showed up. He's been here since the beginning. He is, the, he is the, he's the very beginning. He'll be at the very end. The Bible is very clear that Jesus was there at the very beginning. He always has been. Jesus always has been. That's where he was at. John 1, 1 says, in the very beginning, that's where we find God. Genesis chapter 1 says, in the beginning. Like, God was always at the beginning. So that's God, okay, in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Christmas time, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up, okay? He shows up, and then Easter comes. And he dies on the cross for our sins. And after he dies on the cross for our sins, the Bible records that he says this, I'm going to go to heaven, but I'm going to give you a comforter. A really, really, really soft one that you don't let your kids touch, mom. You know what I'm saying? Like that kind of comfort, like a super, super soft comforter that has your name on it. And that comforter is the Holy Spirit. In our house, my wife said, hey, guys, this right here, this blanket here, we got it from some fancy store. Somebody sent it to us in the mail. Like this, this one's mama's. Like, no one, I don't want none of you little stank kids touching my blanket. That's basically what she said in a nutshell. None of you guys touch my blanket. This one's mine. I don't want y'all touching it. You guys got your name. You, she says, you guys got your own, and, and I, you guys got your own. Not even English. You guys got your own, and I put your name on it. So you, don't, you'll, you won't get yours confused, but you definitely won't get my confused. Like, because if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, don't touch my blanket. Jesus says, I'm going to send you a comforter. Jesus, God, Heavenly Father, God creates the heavens and the earth. His son comes on earth and dies across our sins. And when he goes into heaven, the Bible says that he sends the Holy Spirit. Those are three people, but it's just one person. God has three distinct parts, but he's just, he's just one person. There's just, there's just one God, but it's three parts. So inside of you, Jesus doesn't live in Sarah. The Holy Spirit lives in Sarah. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. 
God, God's in heaven, Jesus is in heaven. There's an empty seat on the left, and that's the, whole, that's the Holy Spirit seat because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and me. When God's up in the heavens, he, when God's up in the heavens, he's creating the heavens and the earth. Jesus is in heaven because he always has been, and the Holy Spirit was up in heaven. But in this passage of scripture, we find here that whenever all this happens, the Bible says before, before Easter, before the crucifixion, the Holy Spirit shows up on earth and Jesus' dad shows up for his baptism. I mean, you can't make this. This, is, this, this baptism is a huge, 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 huge deal. So much to the fact that all of the whole Trinity shows up. And we don't, there's not many times in scripture, and, and I don't want to put a definitive number on it unless you can find it. There aren't many times in scripture where we see all three parts of the Holy Spirit showing up at the right time, at the same exact time. We don't see that that much. But they all show up for Jesus' baptism. Big deal. So here's the part where it gets exciting. And then in my Bible, I, I underline the words great joy. And next to the words great joy, I wrote the word obedience. The thing that brings Jesus the most joy is obedience. Like, it does, it, that I'm up here preaching, that doesn't bring God great joy. Like, I'm, I'm being obedient like the obedience does. God's up in heaven and said, man, Wes, that was a really, really good sermon. He's not saying that. Like, it'd be, it's okay if you say that to me. It'll make me feel good. But, like, God, God's not saying that. When I give my offering every single Friday online, I, I, my, 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 I have mine connected to a card. Every single Friday, I get paid. I automatically send a tithe to the church. God's not like, man, I really love that. That's in, man, that's, that's bringing me, that offering was, that's a huge amount. God's not saying that. When I'm at Saturday set up and I'm serving and I'm helping, I'm doing things, he's not saying, man, Wes, you are really impressing me. What really impresses God is our obedience. I'm just under the firm, I'm just under the, 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 under the idea that if you and I would get, if you and I would get more obedient, we also would get more, more blessings. Because God had the blessing of his whole, everyone showed up. Everyone showed up. What a blessing to be a man. My whole, everyone showed up at the same exact time. He was just being obedient. God said, God, God said to his son, hey, Jesus, you got to get baptized because there's going to be a day where we're going to tell people to get baptized. And so you got to be an example. Jesus is not asking you and I to do anything that he hasn't done. Okay? So that's just a little side note about, about, about baptism. We're baptizing next week. That's just a little commercial. Here's where it gets, here's where, this is where I saw, I saw this a few years ago, and God said, hey, now is the time to share this with your church. Verse 12. After the baptism, okay, he gets baptized. The whole family shows up. Verse 12. Then, I'm sorry, the Spirit then compelled Jesus to go out into the wilderness. In this passage of scripture, I know we're in two different books, but the reality is, is that this happens, the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's, for, it's, for the, it's the same exact stories, but Matthew's take on it, Mark's take on it, Luke's take on it, and John's take on it. It's just four different guys, different perspectives. They're telling you about the life of Jesus. All those gospels just share the life of Jesus. That's all they do. We see baptism happen in this passage of scripture. We see his, we see his baptism. And then right after he's baptized, Jesus takes him out into the wilderness. That's where he, and we see the miracles happen. And I, I'm thinking about that. I'm like, man, why is that? That, that, that? that has to be important. There's a reason why that's in there. There's a reason why that's the way that it worked. Because it could have been the opposite way. It could have been that he got baptized or I mean, he, he did the miracle thing and, and he quoted the scripture because he already knew the scripture. I don't think he learned the scripture right after. He didn't have to. He knew the scripture and then he could have got baptized. And God could be like, okay, now you're ready. But no, he got baptized first. And then he went out into the wilderness. And here's what I believe in here today. And I don't know if you believe this or not in here today or not. You don't have to. But I think this is true. I think you and I, we can manufacture our miracle. We can manufacture our miracle. And I know a lot of us in here today, we want to see a miracle happen. But we're going like this. 
We don't believe a miracle can happen. We want a miracle to happen. And I want, I want her to have a miracle. And I want him to have a miracle. But the him and the her, they're not really, they don't really want the miracle. I think you and I, we can manufacture our miracle. I think Jesus in this passage of scripture, I think he manufactured his miracle. I think it started with his obedience. And after the obedience, then the miracle happened. I think it started with the obedience and then the breakthrough happened. I think it started with the obedience and then the impossible could happen. I think after the obedience, then the Ephesians chapter 3, the immeasurably more can happen. Every time in scripture where I see a blessing, I always see it starts with the obedience. I see a breakthrough, it starts with obedience. I see something incredible happen. It always goes back to obedience. There is something about being obedient to the Father. So the guy said to me today, we get it, Wes. And I don't know that we always, I don't know that we, I don't know that we always do. We want the miracle. I think you and I, we can manufacture, you and I, we can manufacture a miracle. I don't think, I think sometimes we're sitting there like, man, I wish God would do something. I wish God would do something. God, I think God's having saying, well, I wish you'd do something. I wish you'd show up every week and with expectation and I could do something. I wish, you can get, I wish you could show up every week and get a word every week. If you can get a word, I, I can really do, if I can get God's word in you, I can do something through you. The thing is, we don't have that. So I wrote down a couple things I think that might could help you manufacture the miracle. Abel, you can come on up. Something I think you and I can do to manufacture a miracle. Number one is you gotta get a word. You gotta get a word. Like, I think Jesus got a word. His word was, hey, God, his dad said to him, hey, son, go get baptized. That was the word that God gave him. My question for you today, I see so many people, they're posting stuff, and they're posting stuff that doesn't really, really matter, and Jesus is just wishing that they would get a word. I'm wishing for you, and I'm wishing for me that we would all get a word from this book. The thing that's going to help you, the thing that's going to help me, is if we get a word from this book. And I'll be honest in here today. Getting what I'm going to give you today on Sunday morning is such a small amount. You need so much. You need a word on Monday. You need a word on Tuesday. You need a word on Wednesday. You need a word on Thursday, Friday. You know the rest of the days of the week, Saturday. And then you come here and then you go out there. You love some people. You get a word. God wants you and I to get a word. If you're going to manufacture a miracle, you got to get a word. Jesus told to Satan, Satan, here's some scripture for that. You can't tempt me. You can't test me. I live on the word of God. You gotta get a word. How did Jesus manufacture his miracle? In Matthew chapter four, he had a word in him. If you, I mean, this common sense, if he didn't have a word in him, you know what he would have did? He would have fell. He would have jumped off that roof. He would have turned those bread and so He had to have a word in him, guys. I know sometimes we go to church, we're like, man, that was just too complicated. I don't even know what you want me to do out with that. But I'm telling you right now, this pastor scripture, Jesus manufactured his own miracle. He had a word inside of him. He had a word inside of him. When the enemy comes at me and tells me that I'm not good enough, I, get, I tell the enemy, I said, enemy, I appreciate your compliment. The Bible says that greater is me, he that is in me than he that's in the world. So take that. When the enemy tells me that I'm not good enough, I got a word in me for that. I can tell the enemy, enemy, I appreciate that what you think. I appreciate the compliment to what you think, but the reality is this, the Bible says that I am called and I am chosen. I'm a son of God. I'm no longer a slave. I'm a child of God. And I just, I just quote scripture to him. I got a word in me. Do you have a word in you? You got to have a word in you. Every single one of us today, we got to get a word. Jesus manufactures miracle because he had a word inside of him. If I was taken up there, some days, if I'm taken up on the mountaintop and like, hey, you can have all this stuff. And I don't have a word on me, I'm jumping off, jumping off the mountain. Here's the second thing is we got to be obedient. We got to be obedient. I want to pastor an obedient church. Did you know this? If you did whatever God called you to do, 
If you did whatever God called you to do, told you to do, and I did whatever God told me to do, and we all were obedient, we, this, our, our, that, would, that would be the best thing for this church. If everybody was just obedient. If we were just doing what God told us to do. I've been studying this more and more and more. It's my job to get up here and to communicate and motivate and, and try to encourage you and try to help you get to where we're going. And if you strip Christianity all back, like no more giving, no more, no more serving. I'm not helping set up anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not giving no more. And I'm not going to group no more. All three things that we believe in at this church. I'm not coming no more. If you stripped all that back, you know what we all should be doing? If you strip all that back, we should all at least, at the very core of who we are, we should be bringing people to Jesus. We should be. Did you know if you're bringing people to Jesus, you're, if you're bringing people to Jesus, then you're working on yourself? Because you can't invite someone to come to something if you're living a life that's, not, that's contrary to what you're bringing them to, to come to. Does that make sense? Like, you're not, like if, you're out, if you're out on Friday night and Saturday night and you're going hard and you're like, like you, you, you calling your friend on Saturday night at 2 a.m., hey, we're going going to church tomorrow, they're going to be like, yo, we just got done partying. Why would we go to church with you tomorrow? You don't look any different than we do. Why would I need church? Why do I need God? If you got God and I don't have God and we're going to the same place and the same thing, why do I need God? When you're bringing people, you say, hey, man, I'm going to bring in my friends. If you stripped it all back, the Bible says that people will know that you, you, that you, that you're my disciples if you love me. We get to the very end of Jesus' life right before he dies. He goes, hey guys, I'm going to boil it down and make it really, really simple for you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to Go out into all the world, and I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to go. We have a hard time going sometimes. We want to preach the gospel, and I want you to baptize the people. Everyone you see, I want you to, I want you to preach the gospel and baptize them. That's what Jesus says. At the core at the, of all of it, we strip it all down. We should be bringing people to Jesus. However, we say at our church, anything short of sin to reach people, like that's what we should, we should be bringing people to Jesus. That's what we should be. We know that to be true. All those other things, they're important things and we should do them. But we gotta, we, we gotta be obedient. The Bible's pretty clear about that. We gotta be obedient. There's a song our kids used to sing, obedience is the very best thing. It's the very best thing. Our kids, our kids would sing that. We gotta get our kids, we gotta, be, we gotta get our kids to be obedient. I know we struggle with the disobedience because I have four-year-olds. I have four-and-a-half-year-old twins. I know what disobedience is. I got an eight-year-old. I know what disobedience is. And Lord knows, I got an 11-year-old. We gotta stay friends. If I get this girl, this 11-year-old deal, this whole 11-year-old season, ladies, I, I wasn't built for 11-year-olds. Like, I want God to come back. God can come back today. Like, I'm like, take us all, Jesus. Like, I'm not ready for that. Like, I'm not even a good job at 11. I don't know how I'm gonna do a good job at 15 or 16. Some of you girls in here today, you gave your moms a hard time. I hope your kid gives you a hard time so you can reap what you sowed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're like, that's wrong, Wes. That's terrible. I got an eight-year-old. You know what I don't want my eight-year-old to be like when he's in high school? Me. I was a mess. I had an identity crisis. Didn't know who I was supposed to be. I'm gonna do my best to make sure my eight-year-old knows who he's supposed to be. I hope I'm gonna get him to be obedient. Whatever verses he does know, I just want him to obey those ones. We gotta be obedient. And then here's the third thing. Let God do the work. Let God do the work or let God do the word. Either of those will work. Let God do what the word says. Like, that, let him do that. Let God do the word. Let God do the word. Like, God can do what he says he can do. He always does what he says he can do. All throughout scripture, we see Jesus showing up and doing what he said he could do. 
this young man walked up to me and goes, hey man, I just, I'm so far from God. I used to be so close to him. I said, bro, you just got away from, you got away from the word. You just got away from the word. Like when you were close to God, when you were 15 and 16, all you did was get away from the word. And I mean, so many people, they believe God on the cross for their sins. They believe all those things. They believe the best year to come, but they just got away from the word. And when you get away from the word, then you can't let the word do the work because you're away from the word. We got to get close to the word of God, friends. The people that I know that are just, that are doing what God's called them to do, they got a word in them. They're trying to manufacture their miracle. They're trying to speak life into dead things. They're trying to speak life into hopeless situations. Well, Jesus did that. He's starving. He's on top of a mountain. He's like, I can do this. I can do this. Through the help of Jesus, I can, I can, I can overcome this. I'm an overcomer. I can make it through. You can too if you have a word in you. People that know that are manufacturing a miracle, they're, they're being obedient to the word. Are you being obedient to the word? I told you that guy said to me, Wes, we get it. I don't know that we get it. The more we're obedient, the more God can bless us. Can I be honest with you today? I feel like I'm one of the most blessed people that I know. And I think the key ingredient to that is being obedient all the time. All the, all the obedience, all the time. Like obedience on repeat, obedient, be obedient, be obedient, be obedient. Be obedient. I'm in Rotary with, with, Andrew's, with Andrew's dad. And um, I like Rotary because it's an opportunity, it's an opportunity to be generous. It's an opportunity to be generous. And one of the things that God's going to be obedient in my life is to be, to be generous. That's the thing I'm always going to be obedient to. I love being obedient to generosity. God always has a plan. He, he's always doing something. I want to be obedient. If we're obedient, God will do the things that we want to see happen. Or he'll change our sight and he'll see the things that we want to see happen. They really weren't the things that he really wanted to do. He wanted to do something bigger and better. Can we be obedient? And then we can, can we let God do the word? Let's let God do the word. Let's let him do the word. And the word that he wants for you today is, the word is, man, don't test God. Be faithful. Be committed. Like whatever the word, whatever the words, whatever word that you've received from the word today, let God do that word in you. He wants to. He can. He desires to. God, I'll tell you what I know about God. God doesn't want to give you a word today, and then he doesn't, and he doesn't want to give you a word today, and then he doesn't not want to help you fulfill the word that he gave you today. I know one thing about God is he's intentional. He's, God's very, very intentional. If he gave you a word that he wants to complete that word in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the word. God wants to do the word that he put in you. He wants to do something in you and then he wants to do something through you. Do you want that today? Do you want to manufacture your own miracle? <laughs> whether you believe that or not, whether you can manufacture here's what I know. We saw miracles in this, in this passage of scripture. We see Jesus being obedient. We see him quoting scripture, and we see him letting God do the work. He wasn't there fighting his own battle in Matthew chapter 4. He was just quoting scripture. He was letting the word do the work. He was letting God do the word that he put in him. 